Welcome to the Ben Beard Show, brought to you by Redcliffe Homes. We're bringing you local business owners to discuss life and business here in the Mesilla Valley. All right. Uh, well, our guest today is Russell Allen with Allen Theaters. How you doing? It's good to be here. Great to have you. So uh, tell us, Russell, who, a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Well, we um, Allen Theaters is a five-generation business that started in Farmington, New Mexico in 1912. And we're in nine communities around New Mexico, uh, two in Colorado and two in Arizona. And uh, we hire a lot of 16-year-olds for their first jobs and entertain a lot of people. So, well, we did before COVID showed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're just, we're just working to try to get that going again. So Okay. Now, 1912, that's when New Mexico became a state, right? That's correct. So oh. we're definitely one of the one of the first businesses in the state. That's so. awesome. So how did you, I mean, obviously this is a family business that's mm-hmm. been around for a while, so you yeah. didn't start it. No, my great-grandfather in a cattle drive from Texas to Colorado um, got into the Farmington uh, Valley up there and said, you know, it's a pretty good place to be. And so he set up shop and stopped moving cattle and was a serial entrepreneur. He had the general store. He ran the mail from Farmington to Gallup. Um, they had a hotel um, and the, the livery stables and all those kind of things. And when he passed away, he was broke. <laughs> and so he, they had two, two sons and... Uh, uh, my grandfather and um, and my grandfather took this took the vaudeville, the movies, and and did that. But he also was responsible for bringing cable TV to Farmington, and and so there's just a lot of lot of entrepreneurial within our business. And when it's got to the size of where I'm at, I don't have any time to do anything else. Yeah. Um, because my father owned an A and W and. A, Baskin Robbins and did all kinds of things as well. So it's uh, you know you do things to try to make a living and yeah. and that's and this movie theaters is the one thing that's hung around um, okay. until today. And so I'm fourth generation and all of my kids are the fifth generation working in the business now. So that's great. It's a it's a good good fun business. Good. So growing up in a family business like that, did you feel like you had the option to go do something else or, or was it kind of expected that you would take over the, the family business? You know, there was always, you know, I did start college and wasn't a good experience with uh, one particular professor. And I'm like, well, this is kind of ridiculous. I think I'm going to go work for dad. And, um, okay. and so I just kind of fell into it and it's not really work. You know, if you love what you're doing, it's not it's not a job. Yeah. And um, so that's uh, just kind of how it how it worked out, and cool. enjoy doing it. Good. So, <clears throat> being that you own the movie theater, and you're I assume you're watching movies quite a bit. Is that something you still enjoy, or is that kind of <laughs> gone away with with time? You, you know, it's um, I don't really watch that many movies anymore. It all kind of when it started when I after I had kids, the kids kind of changed the world we were in. I used to watch everything, and and I do watch a lot of movies now, um, but uh, when you're responsible for the the big operation of the whole thing, it's kind of hard to get away. Um, I used to get away about the last Thursday of a 
movie and sneak in of the, about the two o'clock show and I'm me and maybe two other people were there and I sit <laughs> on the back row and watch the movie and I'll confess I'll pull out my phone if it's not not much is going on and kind of see what's going on on the phone <laughs> then I'll watch the movie for a little bit but uh, it's um, you know movies touch everybody in one way or another whether they watch movies or they just watch TV and what what the movie stars are doing and um, so it's it's um, really it's it's a fun it's it's a fun business and everybody knows what's going on yeah you know and so it's touches everybody some way or one way or another yep well, I have to ask the same question about the, the movie theater popcorn. Do you, is that get old, or do you still enjoy that? Oh, my gosh, that? no. I love the popcorn. You know, and everybody says, well, how come you, you, I can't duplicate it at home? And you can't because of our seasoned poppers. I mean, those poppers have popped thousands of pounds of popcorn. It's kind of like a, like a cast iron griddle. Mm-hmm. You know, once it's seasoned, it's got that flavor, and and you just you just can't duplicate what we do, and that's why we're actually selling many thousands of dollars of popcorn every weekend since this thing's really? going on. Yeah, and we do that at all the theaters around around the circuit every Friday and Saturday, and actually in Hobbs they're selling them on Sunday too. Um, the people are liking the popcorn, so that's great. It's, um, it's a good thing. Yeah. So you found a way to kind of. Do, do something at least during the whole COVID while yeah. the theaters are shut down. Yeah, once uh, when the when everything kind of settled, we, we did the popcorn right off the bat, and then everything kind of when they shut down the the restaurants and really pulled everything down, we backed off of it for a while, and then and then it kind of opened up again. I'm like, okay, well, we're effectively a restaurant as well. I mean, we get the same inspections. Um, we have to follow the same rules. We always have. And and so I said, well, you know what? People keep asking on Facebook and, you know, we miss popcorn, miss popcorn. So we, you know, hired a few more people back and kept our managers on and said, okay, at least for three or four hours a day, a couple of days of a weekend, we're going to go ahead and open up for curbside popcorn and it's been well received that's great people so, just take that and go home and watch it just come on home yeah we we worked with uh oscar andretti at pickwick and he supplies me with 10 pound ice bags and that's okay. what we fill the popcorn in was an ice bag because obviously it's food food safe if it's got ice in it and it's got a zip tie on it and and that's what we've been selling for five bucks a bag so that's great so yeah now do people have to order that ahead, or how can they get no, that? No, they just come on down. So just drive you know, up I think we go from four to seven on Saturdays um, here, and we're looking at adding Fridays as well. Since we did the drive-in, we only did the one day here locally, um, but the rest of the towns are doing on Friday and Saturday from four to seven, and that way they can get their popcorn before they go watch their Netflix movie at home at seven. That's great. Because <laughs> movie going is movie going, so, yeah. so we're good for it. Now, are you? Is it just pop some bags and hey, come pick it up as long as supplies last? Or are you sitting there popping we, it fresh? We pop, we pop it fresh. I mean, we do yeah. pop some up ahead of time to get a hold of the first rush, but we pop it fresh. Right. It's popped that day. So awesome, cool. Well, that's obviously been a, a big challenge to deal with right now. Um, going back, I guess, to uh, into history a little bit. What uh, at what point did you guys expand outside of Farmington, and and what locations do you serve now? 
Well, we expanded out of Farmington in the late 60s when uh, my dad, they acquired the th couple of theaters, a drive-in and a downtown theater in Cortez, Colorado. Um, and then that's where it was until 83 when my family moved here to Las Cruces and we acquired um, Las Cruces. And then in 1990, we um, acquired the circuit from United Artists when they went away. Everything they had in New, New Mexico, with the exception of Albuquerque and Santa Fe, which included Gallup, Clovis, Portales, Roswell, Hobbs, Carlsbad, Alamogordo. I think that's seven towns. Um, and so, and then 2004, we got Rio Doso. 2012, we got Durango. And 2000. 17, we acquired the, the theaters in, in, in Arizona, Safford and Marinci. Okay. So we're, you know, we'll, we're in the movie business. So if something comes up, we'll, we'll look at it. And if you guys, so mostly you've acquired new theaters rather than building your own? Well, we acquired all those theaters, and then in about 2003, a lot of those theaters were in malls, and we had leases that started expiring. Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, we either bought some land and built a new one like we did in Gallup. Um, we did the same thing in Alamogordo. Um, when, that, when that lease went up or else we negotiated a new lease and, and, and built up from there. So we okay. added screens over the time. Clovis got three new screens. We have, we've added three, seven, six new screens to, to um, Hobbs. Turned a twin in Carlsbad into a into a sixplex or a threeplex into a sixplex. So we've we've just been re you know when it's time to rebuild it, we added screens because yeah. that's what you need to do. Yeah. So cool. So uh, maybe including or or besides the current situation, what's been your biggest challenge kind of taking over the the family business? Well, the biggest challenge is the amount of investment that we've needed to continue in with, with um, recliners. Um, to convert a, a 10-screen theater is about a about million and a half dollars. Wow. By the time you, it's $100,000 a screen to, to do the construction work, which includes concrete, new styrofoam, um, electrical to put in the recliners. Um, we lose anywhere from 50 to 60% of the seats when we do that, um, but the occupancy goes up and and uh, people are willing to pay a little extra money for that very comfortable seat. Mm -hmm. And um, so those are, you know, big investments there. And then we were, we were right, we were six weeks from breaking ground on the entertainment center yeah. that we were working at for the Telshore 12 here locally. Um, unfortunately, almost all the money that was saved to put into that has been spent trying to keep everything afloat. So that's a to-be-announced uh, thing happening. But we did, in the middle of that, we acquired a liquor license, which is kind of where the future's going. And when we do open up the Telshore 12, we will have adult beverage in that theater huh. um, going forward. And... Unfortunately, I think that may be our future, and I might need to start selling booze at all of our theaters because I think the return on investment's going to be way better than seats because you're about four hundred thousand compared to a million and a half, and yeah. and um, you know we don't 
we don't make any money selling tickets because I don't know if people read with tenant terms are coming in. 63% of the take goes to them. Disney's big ones are 64, 64.5%. So wow. that's why you pay for popcorn and Coke because that's what pays the bills and keeps the lights on and wow. pays for the improvements and the seats and all those things. And so um, I think, uh, unfortunately, well, fortunately, kind of depends on your point of view. Um, that uh, I think adult beverage is going to be showing up in more of our theaters going forward. So this is this will be your first one. That this has will that. be our first one. We'll get uh, the ins and outs from from being an LDS family that doesn't drink. <laughs> it's uh, kind of a challenge for us to to work on it and get over the 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 religious uh, challenges with it. Um, but it's not our right to tell people what to do so if they're looking for it and we're going to offer it and we need to we need to pay our bills and keep a keep a business going and entertain our communities and if that's what it takes to keep doing it then that's what we'll do yeah so so obviously some probably internal conflict but logistically the challenge of that how do you decide what drinks you're going to offer and and what you're not going to offer well a lot of it's going to have to do with available space um and the different kinds of equipment. We have different schools of thought, whether it's just, you know, cans and bottles, aluminum bottles, or draft, um, minis. It, it, it all depends on what space we have within the theater snack bar area to do it. Okay. And um, so everyone will be a little different. Um, and we'll see how it works. So. Cool. Well, that's a yeah. That's definitely a uh, big change for you guys. That's yeah, a big change. It's a big change, and I think it'll it should be well received. So, we're actually put in for a temporary patio for the drive-in. So, see if we can get some tables and chairs put out there in front of the drive-in, and <clears throat> instead of going to the drive-in in a car, you can go to the drive-in and sit in a table. Okay. And walk up. Walk. You know, drive-in theater. Prob- huh? Yeah, we'll probably you know sell those online, and uh, you know have the the wait staff that will be able to supply you with uh, your uh, beverage of choice. Okay. And that's that's what our goal is, and. I know there's a big long list of people trying to get their patios going, and that's yeah. we're on the queue to make that happen. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully we can get that done before we can start showing movies. But I'd much rather show movies inside yeah. than outside. So now the drive-ins are those something you'll continue to do once you are allowed to open up the theaters again, or is no. that no, okay. no? It's it's a losing proposition. Um, you think about it, you can only show one movie in, in, at when it's dark. Mm-hmm. And it's in the parking lot of a 12-screen theater that shows up to five movies a day per screen. Drive-ins, there's there's just um, there's there's no way to make it. There's no way to make it with drive-ins anymore. That's why mm-hmm. that's why we have multiplexes. Yeah, yeah. well, that's <laughs> so, why all the drive-ins are gone. That's right. Well, there's still about yeah, five six hundred screens nationwide. Really? Um, you know, there's a, there's one in. Glendale, Arizona, nine screen, you know, big one. But, you know, the big challenge with the drive-ins, obviously, you can't show it when it's light. It takes a lot of land. Yep. Um, we can get pretty good picture on the screen, but the sound is coming out of your car stereo. Mm-hmm. So that's only so much. 
and um, oh, it's the ambient light. So you have the light around you that starts washing the screen and and those those kind of things. And that's a challenge within communities. That's that's why years ago the drive-ins were always way out of town Mm. because of the light. Yeah. And so it's – but, you know, the novelty of it's – a lot of people have had the opportunity to go to a drive-in and experience a drive-in that we haven't experienced in Las Cruces since – 86, I think, when we closed the Aggie drive-in Wow! for the last time. And it brought a lot of memories to me because I started running projectors at the drive-in when I was 14. So okay. being out there, the smells, the, the way the wind is, all it, it brought about a lot of, lot of memories for me because yeah. that's where I cut my teeth in our business was at a drive-in when I was 14. So, huh? so it was a little exciting, but yeah, it's neat. not the future. Definitely no. not the future. Yeah. Well, we, uh, my wife and I have been talking. We we need to get over there and go to a go to a drive-in. We haven't made it yet, but well, just for the kids to have that experience. Yeah, who knows when they come when in. Have it again? Yeah, we. Oh, you know, I went ahead. I think we're going to be doing drive-in till at least the tenth of September. Okay. I can't imagine that the governor will allow us to open up before Labor Day, and with Labor Day, that means she'll tell on the tenth which will be her two weeks after that. And then if she says go, we still have another whole week after that before we can get anything up and running. So okay. so I think it's the 18th is the earliest that we'll have indoor stuff at this point in time. Okay. So. Now, what are the challenges with hiring 15, 16, 17-year-olds? <laughs> One, I have to pay too much for them because they don't know anything. Um, unfortunately, in this day and age, you have to teach a a 16-year-old how to use a broom. That's how oh, wow. li- that's how little they know. Um, and there's a lot of entitlement out there. And there's great kids. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great kids. But you know the the there's there's two costs that a business can control. One is advertising, which is kind of what we're doing right here right now. And the other is labor. Everything else you don't have any control over. And so if you don't advertise, you don't get customers. Mm-hmm. If you don't get customers, you don't hire staff. So you, so you got to advertise first because if you, know, you advertise, you get people coming in the door, then the only thing you can do is, is deal with your, your staff. And if, if your labor is too expensive, then you need to, to hire people that have more skills. It's just, it's just kind of, it's, you know, it's the chicken and the egg. If you don't know anything, you, it's hard to, it's hard to get a job. You have to have a skill. You get, you know, the, every person needs to have their personal skill level up. And so I think we're going to be, we're going to need to go, you know, start hiding a little bit older. And that's where the adult beverage stuff is going to come in because yeah. you got to be 19, 20, 21 to serve. And I, that's you know, right. I think our age group is, so instead of being the 16 year old for the first job, I think that's kind of going away in my business, unfortunately, because okay. I like hiring 16 year olds. Yeah. So. No, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. A second ago, I said 15, 16. Does it start at 16? We've always started at 16. Okay. Um, you can do, and that's mostly because our hours, because yeah. 16 year old can't work past seven o'clock at night. Oh, okay. So, 
Um, sometimes with you know family managers, that kind of stuff, we'll we'll hire the the fifteen year old to work on Saturday afternoon. But just the general, we don't at sixteen. We can go ahead and do that that seven o'clock at night. Labor laws allows us to do that. So that's where we started, and we've we've hired tens of thousands of people for the first job. Yeah. And there's a lot of pride in doing that because we've te- we've taught them a lot of a lot of good life skills for their next employer. Yeah. And that's what scares me about pricing them out of the market because the next employer is not going to get someone that someone like me has taught them anything to do. And it's just we're going to start bumping up against real problems. Yeah. Unfortunately, but that's how it works. Well, that is a neat neat position to be in for you guys to be able to hire. Yeah. kids for their it's, first jobs and teach them some real life skills. It's a lot of it's a lot of fun because um, you know a lot of them they don't even know how to speak to each other anymore. Yeah, they got that stupid phone and they, you know, they sit next to each other and text each other. Yeah, and you know I hire them and they got to talk to strangers. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's terrifying for them. Yeah, you know, so we do that. We we do that for them and we like doing it. That's so. neat. Well, Russell, uh, what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received in your life, whether that's business or personal? If you can, you should. Whatever it is. If you can do it, you should do it. Okay. You know, when it comes to charity, to work, to family, most times if you can, you should. Awesome. And that's, that's that's what we try to work for. Cool. Well, how can people get a hold of you or follow you or the or the theaters? Well, we got our website, uh, allentheatersinc.com. Uh, Facebook, we're strong presence on Facebook. And either one of those ways, there's direct ways to get to me and um, to, to our staff and ask us questions. Or we're always up for new ideas, thoughts, you know, and um, we try to be as advent as as intuitive, or the, what's the word I'm looking for? Innovative. Innovative. Creative. There you go. That's what it is to, to whatever we can do. And um, so try to make it fun. That's yep. what we do. We entertain people. Awesome. That's what we want to do. Awesome. So. Well, one last question. What uh, what other businesses, do you, local businesses, are you a big fan of that you think people should know about? You know, I you know I have to I have to kick it out to Marcy Dickerson. You know, she's really been um, working hard. You know, there's there's a there's a love hate relationship with Marcy. I adore Marcy. I've known Marcy since I her and I were on the the board of the Boys and Girls Club back in 2003. Okay. She's a hard worker. She will give the shirt off her back for anybody. And, you know, these people that are, you know, trying to get her, they're fools. They're just fools because she's doing great stuff for our community. And she needs all the support because she's supporting our community. And, you know, go get them. That's that's what I think. So there you go. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Marcy was actually our first guest on the podcast. She's uh, she's doing some good work. She's doing some good work out there. She is. See, if you can, you should. And she's a perfect example of that. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Russell. We appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Enjoy it. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you got something from today's guest. Join us next week on the Ben Beard Show to get to know another one of your favorite local business owners.